0: all right good morning yes uh the you know remnant who made it with the time change although some of you are nine o'clockers and you're here to love it um we have a group of uh, guys at a um, men's getaway this weekend and um, so it's good to have you here um, shout out to twilight and high school boys basketball state champs. Shout out to West Lynn for having an incredible year. And uh, so that was a repeat for Tualatin. And also, Wilsonville boys, three-peat state champs. Yeah, so we've got some gifted local people. So congratulations to them. And um, let's see. And food packing's going on. So uh, right now, people are downstairs packing meals. We're hoping to pack over 100,000 meals today. And so uh, thank you for doing that and for giving to that. And uh, those will be life-changing for families, um, not only for their children, um, but we also know with ministry partners in South America and Ecuador, uh, for example, that when we go into a village and they are able to provide food um, in impoverished villages, the, the doors that it open into families' life uh, is, is huge, and it just, um, it gives some credibility to people who are ministering for God, who actually love people, and they feel it, and uh, they experience the love before anything else is mentioned, and so thank you for doing this because it had a really a big impact on many levels for people. Um, We're in the book of Genesis. Tyler got us back on track with that last week. And so we're in chapter four of Genesis. Chapter one and two talk about just the greatness of God. You know, to remind you, Genesis is basically a letter that Moses is writing to the children of Israel through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that's reminding them, hey, this is, remember, this is who God is. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. In fact, the very reason you exist is because... God is a God of relationship and wants others to join in in relationship with Him, and uh, and you can trust Him. And in chapter two, it's like this is how life with God is supposed to be. And then chapter three is we doubt that. You know what happens when you, you start doubting the goodness of God, and all of a sudden that beautiful relationship that He built us to have. That there's separation in that relationship, and as we get into chapter four, it's like, what's life outside of the garden? What's life, you know, east of Eden look like? And um, and basically, we begin learning if we live life separated from God, it, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of trouble, things that we're going after in life we're not, we're not finding, and it leaves us unfulfilled, and yet it's so hard to trust God. Um, over trusting ourselves. And, uh, and yet if that's where we live and we do not live lives of trusting the God who created us to be in relationship with him, then we're going to miss the life he created us for. And, and that's a problem, we're gonna see it um, today. And let's start in chapter four, verse one. And it's a, it's a popular story, uh, a tragic story from humanity standpoint. Just a beautiful story about God and his heart and his goodness. And so uh, we're going to get in that together. Verse 1, now Adam and, well, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and so that's new like in the biblical way. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. And so we do not know how many kids they have. We do not know the time difference you know distance between having Cain and having Abel we don't know the order like if Cain was one and Abel was 15 I mean we, we just don't know there's a lot of things it doesn't say I know when when you study Genesis and start talking about this the questions come up like okay there's a lot of people being created how who's creating these people and it's like are you saying that brother married sister? And I'm, you know, it doesn't say, but I'm thinking, well, how else is it happening? And, and so there's weird, you know, there's questions in there that um, are prompted, you know, big theological questions like, did Adam have a belly button? You know, th- those type of questions it's just like, wow, it just doesn't speak to that, I don't know. Um, but it does tell us a lot about God and about ourselves that we need to know. Um, in order to know how, man, God is a trustworthy God. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, so he was a rancher. Cain, a worker of the ground, and so he was a farmer. In verse three, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. All right, so this is the first worship gathering ever recorded. Now, there was probably a lot of them that happened before then, but this is the first one recorded, okay? So they're coming to worship God out of gratitude for the goodness of God and his grace, and they bring offerings. But now listen to this. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so what's going on? Is it just, you know, God, likes meat. Or, you know, what, what's, what's happening here? Because up to this point we don't have a lot of information. But they know more what's going on, they know more what's honoring to God, and we'll get into that um, in a second. But why is Abel's received and Cain is not? So Cain was very angry and his face fell. All right, first thing I wanna pull out of this is, um, is I respond to God and his grace By offering him my first and best. Okay, so worshiping God is all about responding to who he is. And when we come to worship and when we take communion and and in the Old Testament, when they brought sacrifices to God, it was, I am worshiping you, God, because you're a gracious God. And I am responding to your grace by recognizing I trust in you and I depend on you for, um, for all of life. And so it is, it is your God, I'm not, I recognize that, and the very fact that I can be in your presence is, a, is an act of your grace toward me. And so I'm coming and offering the sacrifice. And that is, that sacrifice being offered to God um, by Cain, is a problem first of all because it's not a blood sacrifice okay now did Abel just bring you know an animal because he's a rancher no he brought an animal because he knew and Cain knew and everybody who who lived knew Um, as a result of the fall of of humanity um, our rebellion against God is it's a mortal failure. what's the result? It is sin and death came into the world. I mean, uh, it is, it's a big deal that we have said, I trust myself more than God. When God created us for a relationship with him and he is good and we're saying, yeah, you're not that good, not good enough for me to trust. And God's saying, man, you have just walked away from me and there's consequences of that. One um, of the consequences is all of humanity is messed up, up. death has entered the world and it's a problem. Now the children of Israel who are receiving this, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible from Moses are getting this. They're not like us going, well why wouldn't Cain or why wouldn't Cain know better? Children of Israel just experienced a really dramatic thing, and that is they were set free after 400 years of slavery in Egypt. How were they set free? Well, after a series of events that God was trying to wake up Pharaoh to the fact that there is a God and he's not the one that you're worshiping, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to realize that, finally, God said, here's my last opportunity. If you do not recognize that I am God and I'm the only one that can save you, then um, there's gonna be a dramatic tragedy happen that will maybe open your eyes to something that I've been waiting for your eyes to be open all along. And that is, um, I'm I'm going to, God says, I'm gonna send the angel of death and he's gonna take the firstborn child, male child, out of every household. Angel of death's coming. And every household with with a male child will lose their firstborn. Tragic, right? But he says, here's the deal you you don't have to go through that. Take a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, take its blood, put it on the doorframe of your home, and that angel of death will pass over your house because that blood is a substitute for your sin. And your sin will be forgiven and passed over instead of the sin and the consequences that come as a result of rebellion against God. And so children of Israel now in the wilderness and they're hearing this from Moses and they are fresh off of knowing that the blood sacrifice of a lamb is my substitute to offer forgiveness of sin. And they also know that in Genesis chapter three, just the previous chapter, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, God said, hey, I want you to know that sin and death is in the world and it wants to own you. But there will be a day when um, a future promised one comes that will battle against sin and death and defeat it once and for all. And so until then, as a reminder, you bring sacrifices to me, a blood sacrifice, that'll remind you that forgiveness is costly. But it's not gonna cost you, it's gonna cost me. The, the, the promised one, His, heel will be bruised, he will be injured, but he will kill sin and death, all right? First promise of the gospel, first promise of the good news of Jesus. The whole Old Testament is pointing forward to to one who is coming, to once and for all deal with sin. And if you trust in God, forward if you're an Old Testament person, trust who's coming, you're trusting in God and saying, okay, this sacrifice I bring to you is an interest-only payment and a reminder that I can trust you and you're going to make the ultimate sacrifice so I can be forgiven and reunited with you. So they knew that. They knew all of that. And yet, um, Cain brought grain, brought produce to him. And uh, so he was saying, you know, I'm not gonna bring you uh, something that reminds me of what you're gonna do for me. I'm just gonna bring you something I think's good. And so that's what I'm bringing bringing you. Hebrews nine, verse 22 reminds us that grace is costly to God. Indeed, under the law, or under the law means, um, you know, doing good things, trying to do good, be good, trying harder. Under the law, almost everything is purified what with blood. There's a cost to forgiveness, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And ultimately, that would be Jesus Christ, shedding of His blood, and what we remember what, when we take communion. And he was the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, so that sin was dealt with once and for all. And it is forgiveness is available to anyone who's willing to trust in what God has done for you, okay? It's all about trusting the goodness of God. Old Testament, they're pointing forward to the ultimate goodness of God. Now we point back to the ultimate goodness of God. It says our hope is in you. You are a good God and you're trustworthy. Um, I, I can believe you. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. So he was, he was ultimately forgiven because he was trusting in the sacrifice of God and the goodness of God and the grace that God offered as a result. And so Cain brought... Um, a sacrifice, not trusting in God, and Abel brought one that was totally trusting in the goodness and the grace of God. Okay, that was the first problem. Second problem is that it wasn't his best. It wasn't Cain's best. And so um, verse three, it says, Cain brought an offering of fruit from the ground. And then verse four says, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. Okay, so if I'm bringing the first, um, it's saying I don't know how the rest of, you know, it, you know how how's um, birthing season going to go with my flocks, and and are they going to? Is it a good year, and is gonna, or is there going to be a drought, and a lot of my flock is going to die, and this is my this is my my income, and so Abel bringing the first fruit, he's bringing his best out of the gate before he knows what's this year going to look like financially? And he's saying, I'm doing this because I trust you, God. You're a good God. You'll take care of me. And my hope is not in my flock. My hope is in you. And so I'm bringing my first and my best. Cain says, okay, I'm going to wait until the harvest and I'm going to invest some. I'm going to store some away. I'm going to take care of the things that I need to pay for in order to maintain the you know, standard of living I want to live you know, live at, and then, hey, look, there's some left over. so I'm gonna, This is decent. This is pretty good stuff. And so I'll bring this to you, God. This should make you happy. And was like, well, that, there's no dependence upon me, and there's no trust in me in that. It's trust in you, Cain, in the work of your hands, in, in your ingenuity, and in what you think you can do, and how you think you can strategize and manage everything. You, you know, trust is actually placing trust and recognizing, you know, I'm the good God. I'm not only the only one or the one that will provide for you and meet your needs, but I'm talking about bigger needs than food on the table. I'm talking about needs of your soul. I'm talking about your eternity. I'm talking about your joy and contentment in life and peace and um, having a deeper uh, connection with me who you were created to have. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. And this is just a principle all throughout the Bible. And it's still the one in New Testament giving that says, hey, this, is, this, is, um, uh, this principle is to be honored. So we worship God with full hearts because we know he's a good God, and we're so grateful for his graciousness, and we trust him. And so that's why we come to worship. And we don't come to worship saying, well this is something I'm gonna do because i like you to be part of my life and maybe you know, as a result of this you'll bless me because I'm doing some good things. That was Cain mentality versus Abel's mentality. Okay, verse six. The Lord said to Cain, who didn't give him his best, didn't give him a blood sacrifice, which points to the graciousness of God. He said, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, you know you'll be accepted. And if you do not do well, then sin is crouching at your door. And sin has a desire for you. It wants you, and so you gotta get on top of that. You must rule over it. And so here's the second, really, thing that jumps out at me when I'm looking at this passage God is telling us, you know, I need to be sober-minded that sin is a real threat My life—it's a real threat to my life, and sin is crouching at the door, which means it doesn't want me to see it as a threat. You know, it's—it's the the words of a um, referring to a a lion or a tiger or a leopard—is it's in the tall grass and it's crouching down and it's creeping forward and it's near you and you don't know it because it doesn't want you to know it's a threat, but at any moment, if, if it wants you dead, you're dead. And so, God's saying, Cain, wake up. You're not realizing the trap that you're falling into by not trusting me. And it is a trap that requires your life. So wake up, it's crouching at your door. And it's real and it's powerful and you need to wake up to it, and, and God's also warning us, you know, sin doesn't want you to, um, you know, whatever, whatever takes you from trusting God, that's sin. Sin is, the, you know, is the, uh, um, is the good old religious word, but when it kind of breaks it down to it, it's saying, I doubt the goodness of God. I doubt it so much, I don't trust him, I'd rather trust myself. And, and that separates us from God. I mean, that you know, in, in a general, simplistic perspective. I mean, that, that is a true perspective of why the world's so messed up. Why do we see everything so messed up? Well, it's not trusting God because we doubt his goodness, and then as a result, it, it's just a spiral. It takes us away from God. Genesis chapter four is a spiral of saying, we are no longer trusting him in his presence and enjoying him, but now we've left him, and we're trusting ourselves and look at the problems it creates. And this is, I mean, right after verse, you know, chapter one and two where it says this is life as it was meant to be. So um, for you and I, it could look, if we're just not aware of things, we can just think, you know what, I, I am investing myself in my career. My career is where I'm gonna find fulfillment. It's where I'm gonna find my identity. If I can just have this success, then these are the things that will come along with that. I will feel meaningful, and I will be able to provide for my family and do the things that you know we really desire to do that is um, so hope-filled future. I'm going after it, man. And, and what's wrong with motivation, right? What's wrong with visualizing? And so... Um, What I'm doing there is there's some good things in there. But it's crouching at my door. And what that can lead to is it can own me. What it can lead to is, you know what, I'm not satisfied with my relationships right now. I would like them to be this way or that way. Maybe one day they can be this way. I'm not satisfied with my job right now. I'm not satisfied with the standard of living I have right now. I'm not satisfied with what I'm providing for my family. Um, The result of which is I'm on edge, I'm grumpy, maybe I have a quick temper, I'm not focused, and I'm being robbed of the goodness of God of what he's doing in my life now and what he's done. My life is future oriented. I have hope for the future. I am dissatisfied with now. That's a life, joy, relationship sucker. And it's crouching at your door and we're just saying, hey, I'm just visualizing. I'm just thinking about a better future. I'm just being motivated. You know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but it can own you. And it wants to own you. And God saying, man, look at the goodness of God in your own life right now. Are you enjoying the relationships that he's given you? Are you enjoying um, the fact that he's provided in so many ways? Are you grateful for that? Or are you just like, oh yeah, that's taken care of. I'm just thinking about what I don't have yet. See, sin's crouching at our door. Um, but we don't recognize the damage that wrong thinking about God and ourselves has on us. We don't recognize the damage that not following God because you trust him and says, I'd rather do this. Instead, we don't recognize the damage it has on us. Um, I'm going to give you an illustration. Hopefully you'll connect the dots. Um, One of the kinds of movies, you know, it's Oscar's day and uh, One of the types of movies I just do not like are horror movies. And um, number one is because I'm kind of chicken. You know, so I just like, I don't want to go be entertained and be frightened the whole time. But the second thing is, you know, in order for a horror movie to be a good horror movie, it requires in the plot for there to be stupid people. (laughs) And so like the, the main thing that horrifies me are the dumb actors. It's like, why are you doing this? You know, we've seen the commercial about, hey, yeah, we can get in the car and drive away from this place, or we can go into that little dark shack with chainsaws hanging outside of it, and hide there, you know? It, it's just, there's just always that kind of plot in a horror movie, and uh, so I'm sitting there going, I'm afraid, and, um, and I'm afraid about dumb people, and this is bothering me, you know, because it's like, okay, I'm in a big house, it's, it's big and scary, and there's a storm going on, and, and then all of a sudden, the lights go out, power's out and I'm hearing something in the basement. And so I don't go upstairs and say to the 10 people who are up there, hey, come with me. But first let's arm ourselves with flashlights and baseball bats. And then let's go down the basement and see what's going on down there. No, I don't do that. I, I, just, I think I'm not gonna bother them. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and check it out by myself. Um, but I'll arm myself first, and so I go down with a candle. You know, and, and the whole time am watching this, and you're just going, this is dumb. Don't do this. You know, and you see it coming. And God's saying to Cain, this is dumb. Don't do this. It's crouching at your door, and you're walking right into it. And he's saying to you and me, Trust me, I'm a good God. I can be trusted. Trust me, don't be dumb. And we justify, we minimize, and God's saying it'll consume you. It'll rob you of the life you have and you will miss out on a joy living with me and walking with me through life. And that's what I created you for. Don't miss out. How, how do you combat, you know, sin's crouching at the door. It means I can't see a lot of the things that are threatening me. I mean, God's word opens my eyes up to a lot of things. The Holy Spirit opens my eyes up to a lot of things. I need to trust him in it. But sometimes, and a lot of times in the Bible, it tells us that's why I want you to live in community with other people on this journey because other people see things in your life that you don't see. I have a good buddy um, and we were hunting buddies, and he was one day, he was hunting and he was climbing up a hill and he was with another guy that, that's a friend of ours and, and they were both going up about 100 yards apart, so every once in a while they'd see each other and they were slowly working their way up this mountain. And uh, the guy over here all of a sudden saw, oh look it, up there, there, you know, a few hundred yards away, there's a little cub up in a tree. And his hunting partner was walking right towards that tree and never seeing the cub. And then all of a sudden, mama bear comes ripping right down the mountain towards him. This guy never, doesn't see him. There's all these bushes and stuff in the way. The guy 100 yards away sees it all and starts screaming, bear, bear, bear. So the one who was being chased by the bear and didn't know it all of a sudden started became alert and attention and ready to fend. Um, but the bear heard and spun on its heels and ran back and ran away. I mean, we need each other to point out and to scream at us when there's a bear ready to track us down. And so many times we're blind to our issues. Now, how do you do that? It means you have to be teachable, don't you? It means we have to take correction. It it, it means that we assume we have blind spots. And if we're walking in life with people who love us and are going after God with us, then they're going to point out things in our life that can be hard for us to hear but we should be grateful for because we need to learn and we need to grow and we do not want to walk into the path of a crouching lion so parenting i mean you know it, it seems like most of the things i hear about as far as how do you parent today with your children is uh, you let them do whatever they want to do because you don't want them to feel bad about saying no that's bad you know that's not right and and as a parent i mean isn't it terrible to see your child disappointed or hurt and so why would you correct them because you you're going to disappoint them and hurt them and that's the most unloving thing we can do i mean we need, need to be able to correct our kids I mean, it's why today we're saying, hey, you can be whatever thing you, anything you want to be, kids. My six-year-old thinks they're a dog. You're a dog. You can be a dog if you want to be. Well, you know, time out. No, they can't. You know, and we need to let them know, hey, play. You know, enjoy playing, that you're a dog. But at the end of the day, man, you were created in the image of God as a little boy or a little girl. You know, and, and, and so we correct them because my little six-year-old has about 20 more years before their brain is developed and so why am I letting them determine what their identity is you know as a six-year-old it's like this is not helpful for you I'm just gonna add confusion to you by letting you just pursue whatever you think is right in your own eyes as a six-year-old and so we we help you so then you know that six-year-old one day grows up and marries another person who was a six-year-old, and then they see each other in each other's lives. They see things in each other's lives that are damaging and not good. And you know, I think you're drinking too much. It's like, how, how dare you? Correct me. Well, you, know, you have no right to correct me. I am who I am. You have no right. You, you don't know me. And, you know, marriages fall apart. It's because we don't know how to receive help from each other and recognize that somebody's saying hard things into your life that are true are a gift from God. Because maybe they can see some things that you don't see. And so we need to be teach- teachable. I mean, one of the best things you can do with your kids is to let them see you receive correction. And, a, and be thankful for it, not threatened by it. Not saying, oh, you're saying I'm a bad person. No, it's like, wow. That helps me, that helps me a lot. That helps me avoid doing some dumb things that I may have done. Thank you for that. We need to model that to our kids. Verse six, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, you will not be accepted. Or will you not be accepted? He's saying, Cain, I'm rooting for you. You just, you knew what kind of an, a gift honors me what kind of offering honors me because you're connected to my goodness and the grace that i extend to you and you're not doing that but you could so get your mind right cain i believe in you you can do this and so here's the point when i blow it god's justice and mercy are at work simultaneously now this this is This is crazy to me, um, how good God is. Now he's dealing with Cain, who is not responding to him, is not trusting him, is saying, I'm gonna do what I think is best for me. And God's going, hey Cain, you, you, you you can get this worked out. You can get your mind right. Now start thinking about who I am and start thinking about who you are, and I think you may see some differences there that maybe I'm the God and not you. And you can figure this out and we'll be good. And so, he's, he's a God of second chances, he's given Cain a second chance, and this is what Cain does. He continues to trust himself and walk into more trouble. Verse eight, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain is like, you did a good thing, God likes you better. Um, Uh, you're the problem of God looking down on me and I'm taking care of you. I'm eliminating you. And then there was consequences for Cain. God said, hey, Cain, um, you're a farmer. You just spilt blood in the ground which you think you're dependent upon. And from now on, farming is going to be more difficult than you ever imagined. And you just lost your home. You're going to be a wanderer because you're a felon. You're a criminal. And wandering means, you're, going to be, you're separating yourself farther from me and I'm gonna let you. There's consequences in your life. And this is Cain's response, verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground. And from your face I shall be hidden. And I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me is gonna kill me. Because whoever finds him is gonna to happen to be a relative. And they're gonna know what he's done. And he's saying, okay, you're sacrificing me. Look, at you're doing all these things to me. And God's going, no, you're doing them to yourself. And I'm gonna let the consequences happen to you because I'm a just God and you need to learn because it's a way for you to learn and turn back to me because that's my hope for you. And Cain's going, no, you don't love me. And he's not repenting. He's saying, this is terrible. And he's not, he's not saying, this is terrible. I can't believe what I've done in not trusting you. He's going, no, this is terrible. I can't believe what you, God, are doing to me um, as a result of my rebellion against you. You know, real repentance is sick about the dumb thing that we've done. Um, Non-repentance is sick about the consequences that come as a result of being dumb. And that's that's where Cain is. And then um, verse 15, and this is where it really um, stops me cold. Then the Lord said to him, not so, Remember, Cain just ended with, and whoever finds me is going to kill me. And God tells Cain, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And so God somehow marked Cain as a blessing to protect his life. Cain, the one who's been rebellious against you, God. And then when you gave him a chance, he, re- he was even more rebellious and killed his brother. And so now you're going to let the consequences of his actions come upon him, but also you're going to extend your mercy to the person who's doing wrong in your face. And that's the goodness of God. God extends justice and mercy. At the same time. At the same time. God is a God of justice. God is a God of mercy. And he's that way all the time. And this is where, man, the goodness of God is so much better than mine. Because I and we typically think truth and justice, grace and mercy, grace and mercy I will extend to all who deserve it which flies in the face of the definition of grace and mercy. And we tell people, okay, this is right and this is wrong. And people say, well, you don't love me then. And I say, yeah, I love you because I'm telling you what's wrong. You said, no, if you love me, you would support what I'm doing. And God's saying, no, that is really, really messed up. If I love you, I'm gonna help you see those crouching tigers that are crouching at your door. But even if you refuse to see him like Cain, I want the best for you. I love you, I care for you. Guy's saying, Cain, this is what's best, trust me. And you didn't, and you didn't. Cain, I'm holding out hope. I love you, I care for you. I'll protect you, but you're suffering consequences as a result of not trusting me. Trust me, and Cain's saying, Nope. And God saying, I love you, Cain. See, in our world right now, there's, I mean, in the United States right now, it's just the epitome of saying, nope, either um, I love you because you are honoring truth and you're doing the right thing and you're believing the right thing and you're promoting the right thing. And so I like you. I will, extend, I will extend love towards you. And for those of you who are on the different side of the aisle or a different side of an issue or a different side of the economy or a different side of whatever, uh, you are messed up. You're a problem. You are causing harm. And so I have no responsibility to like you. In fact, I, I don't want to connect with you. I'm going to stay separate from you. I have nothing to do with you. And God say, no, you following me, you do both. Why? Because that's me. I say, no, this is not true. This is not good for you. Don't do it. And I love you, and I want the best for you, and I'm with you. See, it's, it's being able to stand on truth. I'm not telling you when you're doing something that's destructive to you, and I'm not gonna say, hey, it's okay because I love you. No, I'm gonna say, hey, this is not okay. I hate what this is doing to you. I mean, you need to wake up to it. Um, And I love you. I want the best of you. Sometimes it means I'm not going to be able to hang around you because of the impact it has on me and my kids. But um, man, I love you. And I'm hoping one day you, you, you see this more clearly. It's we bring both. Because God brings both to us god is expressing love to cain somebody who's not trusting him somebody who's murdered his own brother and god said there's consequences that's wrong and i'm going to pursue you with my love and god says to you and i man there's so many times that you guys are not trusting me and yet i love you so why aren't you treating other people that way The other day friday night at a friend's house, we're watching national news, um, and I'm not going to tell you which one because it may be wrong for you. No. Um, but uh, you know that they were—it was—they're were talking politics, talking their normal stuff, and uh, talking about how messed up the other side is, and uh, how messed up their thinking was, and how they're destructive to our country. And they were just mocking him. I mean, it was—it wasn't subtle. It was a downright attack dehumanizing and devaluing people who think different than them. And that's, that's the world we're in. That's what we're taught. That's how we're influenced every day um, to devalue people who aren't like you. And uh, God's saying, that's not, you know, when people aren't trusting in me, you can't expect them to act like I would want them to act. But here's the problem, as a follower of Jesus, are you acting and trusting God and reflecting that in how you treat others? God says, sin's crouching at your door, is destructive. It wants your soul. God's saying, hey, there are no locks on my door. The door's wide open. There's no security code, no chains. I just want you to realize how good I am and I'm good enough to be trusted. And I've proven it by sacrificing myself for you. Will you trust me? I well, say, ah, do I give Cain-like offerings? So I say, God, okay, how much energy do I have left to serve you? I mean, at the end of the month, how much do I have to give to you? Or, you know, you say you want my first and my best and, you, you know, and, and, but I, I'll give you something, but I just can't do that. And God's saying, you're not trusting me. You know, in, uh, in work, you know, I know you say, you know, be honest, that you're yes be yes, you're no be no, but you know, industry, industry standard is to not be totally honest. In fact, to be deceptive a little bit. I mean, but it's industry standard, that's what everybody, everybody does. And God's saying, well, you just established the standard that you're trusting in. I'm telling you to be a person of integrity. Yet Your yes be yes and your no be no. Well, everybody else. So you're trusting in your standard of your business instead of trusting me. You know, I, I can give you jobs, I can take them away. You know, what's the source of your hope in life? Do we trust God? Cain didn't trust him. God kept pursuing him. And yet there was sin crouching at the door and he was being consumed by it. Generations later, after Cain and Abel, after Adam and Eve, um, there was another Abel that came into the earth that was the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. And he was a grace-filled, faith-filled person named Jesus who also was killed by a bunch of canes. And Jesus' blood, just like Abel's, cried out for justice. But his blood cried out for justice, not for himself, but for you and I. See, when we separate ourselves from God, um, there's consequences. And God says, uh, there's a way for you to be forgiven and blood needs to be shed but not your blood i'll shed my blood by taking on humanity living a perfect life and sacrificing as a perfect lamb so now jesus god the son stands at the side of god the father and they look down at you and me and they see us doing stupid things and god says look at bill he just isn't trusting in my goodness and Jesus says, yeah, I've taken care of Bill. I've, I've sacrificed for Bill. The price has been paid. God is a good God. And it is so easy to think, yeah, you know, God's good, but I just can't trust him fully. In God's saying, trust me. Trust me. Learn from the mistakes of Cain. Because Jesus' blood cries out for justice not against everybody else but for everybody else so that we can know him Uh, we're gonna spend some time in prayer and I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and in the first um, group of people I want to talk to are those who uh, maybe in your life you have um, lived life on your own doing what you want to do knowing there's a God out there and that's what Cain knew and occasionally you know, doing something on his behalf, on God's behalf, but it's been a life where you've, you've never trusted him. And uh, I wanna give you a chance to do something that Cain didn't do, and that is say, God, I, I trust you're a good God, and I wanna follow and trust you, and I believe what you did for me is, um, is mind-blowing. Your love held nothing back. And so let's just talk to him if that's you. God, I I know that you love me. I know that you've been pursuing me. And um, I know you've been there. And yet I have ignored you. And so, Father, I ask that you forgive me. And and I'm trusting in what you've done for me so that I can be forgiven. So I place my hope and my trust in you. Thank you for forgiving me and bringing me into a right relationship with you. And now, Father, would you just teach me what what trusting you looks like day in and day out. Just give me some insights. Give me um, opportunities every day where I know, okay, I'm gonna trust you in this situation. And help me enjoy us living in your presence, knowing that you're there with me, you're for me, you love me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, as soon as we're done, I'd really appreciate it. If you you go out to the center table outside those doors there and just let them know, hey, I prayed along with Bill this morning and they will get some information into your hand and it's not information trying to sell you anything, it's just saying, okay, on this new step of faith that you just took with God in trusting him, here are some things that we think will help you grow in this new relationship with God. Okay, And so it's very practical, very simple, and I think it's just one page that's folded in half that will get to you. Now, if you're watching online, uh, you can get that as well. If you go to rollinghills.org slash next steps, fill out your information there. Let us know how we can get that to you, and we will make sure we get that information into your hand as well. The second thing we're going to do today is um, for those of us who, who've made that commitment, to place our trust in Jesus, and yet we know that we live sometimes like practical atheists. Like I'm living my life with me in control and I have not submitted myself to God. Well, we're gonna spend some time to give us an opportunity to do what God was giving Cain an opportunity to do. And that is to um, repent. Repent means I'm going this way, I see that it's wrong, God. I admit that to you, and I turn from it, and now I'm going in the way that you want me to go because I'm trusting you know best. And so maybe there's things in your mind that has kind of been stirred up today about where you have lacked trust in God. And so we're gonna take some time to, uh, to repent and talk to God. And we're gonna do that in silence. We're gonna put some verses up on the screens if you want them to help you kind of work through um, confessing to God and claiming his forgiveness, Um, but we're going to spend a little time in silence doing that. So now this is for you and for God, and you can use the prompts on the screen to guide you in it.